0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. And so I want us to open our Bibles to John chapter 2, verse 2. John chapter 2, verse 2. And of course, the scenario here um, is... The wedding in Cana, did I miss uh, something? Verse 3, oh my. Okay, I gave them the wrong scripture. It's the next verse, but it's the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And uh, it says there, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Let us pray. Holy Spirit of grace, I am completely dependent upon you. We are dependent upon you this morning. Only you can bring the word to life. Only you can make it real. Only you can perform it. And so Holy Spirit of grace, I thank you that it be none of me and all of you. In Jesus name. Amen. They have no wine. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 13, if you have your Bibles, but if not, I'm sure they'll put it up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verse, wasn't it so powerful last week with the prophet? Oh, my Lord. My God, Bishop was right. He's like, I need a prayer for today (laughs) after that. And uh, (laughs) I hope you've been praying, Bishop. I know you have. Acts chapter 2, verse 13, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Someone say, Holy Spirit, flow. Tell your neighbor and say, flow, Holy Spirit, flow. Now, this first miracle in Cana is significant. And this was by the Spirit of the living God because it, it, it kind of puzzled me. Why there would be this kind of offbeat miracle? I mean, really, turning water into wine, that's not even a need. That's a luxury miracle. I mean, there was not someone dying. There was not someone dead. There was not somebody sick. You know, it was an inconvenience. It was a challenge to the, an embarrassment to the hosts that there should be out of wine but for this to be the first miracle the first miracle that Jesus performs means that we have to look a little deeper as to why this particular miracle was the first miracle and i believe that it was the first miracle, and it was significant because it was prophetic regarding Jesus' assignment and ministry that he was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, even as John the Baptist prophesied, that the one who's coming after me is greater than I, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And of course, in the middle or before that happened, on the day of Pentecost, as we know, redemption had to take place. Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins because if he didn't move the obstacle of sin out of the way, then the Holy Spirit could not come. Remember, he is the Holy Spirit. And so there could be no Holy Spirit without the blood of Jesus. And so this was the first miracle because it was prophetic. It was not really about the wine. Uh, This was a visual prophecy of what was to come. It was about the Holy Spirit who was to be sent upon the body of Christ. So then no wonder it would be his first miracle because it was speaking to the end game. They have no wine. They have no wine. They have no wine. And then you read in Acts chapter 2, they are full of new wine. They are full of new wine. When Jesus came, they had no wine. When Jesus accomplished his work and ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, they were now full of new wine. So it wasn't really about the natural wine, it was really about the spiritual wine that Jesus was pointing to through this miracle. They have no wine, obviously, means or speaks of, there's no flow of the Holy Spirit. Are you there? There is no flow of the Spirit. There's a need for revival. Uh Uh-huh. They have no wine. Now, I'm not down on the body of Christ, and I'm not a critic of the body of Christ, but I am a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do see God beginning to do some wonderful things around the world. We do see God moving in mighty ways in certain places at certain times uh, around the world. But I'm here to, to say that as far as what I have seen and what most people might agree with me about. When you look across the body of Christ, they're out of wine. Now the parties continues, church goes on, the MC still will keep going with the program, but there's a crisis in the kitchen, and the crisis which was not revealed to the guests who had enjoyed Lovely wine and had eaten, no doubt, before that, and and they were continuing with the festivities, and these festivities went on for days. This was not a two- or three-hour wedding. They went on up to a week. When we talk about a wedding, day after day, catering and food and wine and, and, and... and celebration would go on up to a week. And so the, 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 the celebration is still going on, but there's a crisis in the kitchen. And now they don't know how to maintain the momentum of this wonderful wedding celebration. And they're going now through the motions, through the program, and people are getting sober now. Yeah, they're getting sober. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. This is not orange juice or grape juice. This is is wine. Okay. This is wine. It had alcohol in it, and it's quite normal today in the Middle East. But they needed needed wine, and this speaks of what I believe is the general condition of the body of Christ. Uh, I have had the privilege... Of living through and witnessing a few revivals in my life. And uh, it's amazing about revival because most of the time when we're in revival, we don't recognize that we're in it. And it's only when we run out of wine that we say, Where's the wine, y'all? Come on, everybody, just stone cold sober up in here in the spirit. In the spirit. <laughs> and then we kind of coast with what was and the memory of what was. And we know that we're out of wine when our point of reference goes back five years, ten years to what God did then and when this was going on and when such and such was happening, we know that we're out of wine because when the wine is there, people are talking about what just happened now. They're talking about God did today, what God did last night, what God did this morning, what God did this week. Then we know that we still have wine. But when we have to go back a long way And talk about what God did back then when I was a youngster, back in the day, in the day, and that is our testimony, that means that we've been out of wine for a while. Out of wine. Someone say, flow, Holy Spirit, flow. I'm going somewhere. Don't worry about it. I'm going somewhere. But now new wine needs new wineskins. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because that's a message all by itself. New wine needs new wineskins. And uh, that means a lot of things because now we're talking about uh, structure. We're talking about models of ministry. We're talking about how we do church because you cannot put new wine into old wineskins, because you know the rest of the story. Because the wineskins will burst and you lose the wine and the wineskins. So I believe that God has been doing a work in the body of Christ of making us new wineskins. And now that's not an easy process and I'm going to get into it. But here's, here's the interesting part about how Jesus does it. Because he doesn't use wineskins, he uses water pots. He is so radical, I mean, he could have said, fill the wineskins you have used. A wineskin is a container of wine, it was made out of usually a skin of a goat, um, you know, and all the process and all that, and they put wine in it. and put it away and let it ferment and mature and all that, and then they would open it up and, and serve it, you know, whenever it was needed. They didn't use glass bottles like people might do today. So why would Jesus not just say, fill the wineskins with water? Why does he say, fill the water pots with water? I'll tell you why. Because, you see, water pots have a greater capacity than a wineskin. A water pot will hold 20 to 30 gallons, whereas a wineskin can hold maybe one gallon, maybe half a gallon. What am I saying is that when God, what God is doing now, He is not just making us new wineskins, He's making new water pots, so we can have a greater capacity. Hello, somebody. A greater capacity, a greater capacity of what God is going to do, because what God is going to do is going to be even greater than what God has done before. And so God has had to take us through a process of remolding us, not just as a wineskin, but putting us on the wheel of the potter and making us anew. Making us anew so that we can have a greater capacity. Why a water pot? Because it has greater durability. A wineskin is kind of vulnerable. But a water pot is tough. It can handle pressure. It can handle weight. It can handle a lot. Why a water pot? Because, here's a good one, because it has an unrestricted flow. You see, the uh, wineskin has a bottleneck. I hope you're hearing me. You see, there's a bottleneck, and now with the water pot, there's an unrestricted flow. Because there's no bottleneck. A lot of what God has done in the past in the body of Christ has come through a bottleneck. So that God was using very few people to pour out the wine. And most of the time they were in the pulpit, but that created a bottleneck. Someone say God is doing a new thing. And he's removed the bottleneck and is allowing the wine to flow through the body instead of just through the ascension gifts. Oh, we are part of that body, amen. And God is still using us and God has a purpose for us. But someone say God is doing a new thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, there's a corporate anointing that is flowing in the body of Christ, hallelujah. It's so wonderful to see Pastor Bob Oliver, Pastor Andrew, uh, and all the other pastors, amen, in the house, praise the Lord, under Bishop Granham, praise the Lord, a flowing, glory to God, corporately, hallelujah, because there ain't no bottleneck. Glory to God, we're not depending on just One or two people. And I'm here to tell you that what God is going to do, thank you, Holy Spirit, is that He's not going to be just using those that are in the pulpit in the coming days. He's going to be using you and you and me and mom so-and-so and and brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so. He's going to be using children. He's going to be using youth. He's going to be using young adults. He'll be using women. He'll be using men. He'll be using different races, unexpected places, glory to God, unexpected nations, unexpected cities in the name of Jesus because God is doing a new thing. He's removed the bottleneck. He's using water pots now because he's in a hurry. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming. He's in a hurry. He's going to get a whole lot of wine to a whole lot of people in a shorter space of time. Ain't no time for no wineskin. Squeeze out. Because you know you have to squeeze that thing. You have to squeeze that thing and, and pour it out. Oh, here it come. Here it come. Here it come. Okay, there you are. Next glass. Okay, here it come. Here it come. Wait a minute, what if there's 500 of us? How long are we going to be waiting for that (laughs) one? Hallelujah. But here we go. The making of a water pot involves not only molding, this is the tough part, it involves fire. See, when you're making a wineskin, there's no fire involved. There are other processes, you can Google it, but it doesn't involve fire. But this time around, for me and you to know that he's making water pots, (laughs) now you don't have to let me tell you about fire. How many people have seen some fire? How many people have been through some fire? Oh, only a few of you? Come on, y'all. This is is the house of the Lord. Y'all need to tell the truth up in here, up in here. Didn't we just go through two years and still going through COVID and COVID's cousin and COVID's second cousin? And lockdown and can't go to church. And all this, if that's not fire, I don't know what fire is. So the making of a water pot involves fire. So that God can take us through that process and make us ready. I believe we're ready in the name of Jesus. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So when we speak of the fullness of the Spirit we mean an abundance, an abundant flow of new wine. Are we there? Okay, when we speak of the fullness of the Spirit, we're speaking of an abundant flow of new wine. Now, let me just give you an illustration here that might help somebody. Someone say, flow, Holy Spirit, flow. I I, I was thinking about my old high school days when I was doing geography. And in geography, we had a particular class which had to do with rivers and, and so forth, mountains, valleys, and seas, and the flow of water, of rain, and all that. And one of the subjects we covered in passing was a topic called oxbow lakes. An oxbow lake. Now, if you don't remember, or you didn't cover that, that's OK. an Oxbow Lake is when a river has been is coming towards its destination. In other words, it's not at its beginning point. It's going towards the sea or a lake or something like that. It's now at a very level place. Um, an Oxbow Lake is a narrow body of water in the course of a large river that is shaped like a bow. It ends up being shaped like a bow. It's, it's curved. Why? Because the river ends up meandering as it goes towards the sea. It no longer comes straight like in the rapids and so forth when the river is really flowing fast. it It's silted up and it starts meandering. Too much silt buildup. It becomes sluggish. It begins to lose its direction to the next large body of water. The body of water is that way, but it starts meandering and going this way and that way and this way. Now, eventually what happens is that these curves and these bends, some of them will become uh, begin to be bypassed by the river. So it leaves this body of water... On its own, because it's now uh, uh, silted up and uh, the water finds its course and just continues in the direction it was going in, it ends up, that oxbow lake ends up with no inlet and no outlet. I'm talking about the danger of being an oxbow lake where we were once in a flow. Once in a flow, but because of losing our direction, because of silting up the cares of this life, the issues of life, doing life starts building up and becoming more and more important to us. The flow of the river, the flow of the spirit begins to slow down. Hello, somebody. We've all been there. We've all been there. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and, and what happens is that we come to a point where there's no water coming in, no inlet, no outlet of water. There's water just standing there, stagnant water. And finally, if nothing is done, there's no more water at all. It evaporates and dries up completely. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. But it is the portion of those that are not conscious or aware of the need to stay in the flow. Tell your neighbor, stay in the flow. Stay in the flow of the water because otherwise we can become an oxbow lake and be out there, you know, at a tangent somewhere and uh, end up cut off from the flow of the Spirit of God and end up drying up and out of the purpose of God. So what is the biblical evidence of being in the flow of the Spirit? The biblical evidence. How do we know that we know that we are in the flow of the Spirit of God? Well, number one is what I would say It's according to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in uh, other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, one of the evidences of being in the flow is unforced speaking in new tongues. I, I want to make you recognize something that I think is significant here that the flow of speaking with new tongues is a result of the infilling of the Holy Spirit but they're not necessarily going to be simultaneous all the time. The Bible says they were filled and then began to speak. So the speaking is a manifestation of the filling. Can I hear your amen? Amen. We're talking about unforced or spontaneous speaking in unknown tongues. Number two, Special anointing for ministry. After the Holy Spirit came, Peter started preaching, and 5,000 people were saved. There was a special anointing. A special anointing for ministry that comes, just a special grace to minister. It's not hard. It's a flow. Someone say, it's a flow. Glory Glory to God. Number three, a special grace for prayer. The Bible says that they would meet day by day and pray. The early church was marked by a spirit of prayer. We know that we are no longer in the full flow when it becomes hard for us to pray. I'll pause and take a drink. When prayer becomes work and labor, Something ain't flowing. Come on, somebody. That means that we're out of the flow. When it becomes mechanical or religious, a duty of some kind, that means that something ain't flowing now. Okay? So this is a manifestation of the flow. And I'm not just saying this to New Covenant. I'm saying this to the body of Christ. There are people watching online here But when we have a situation as usually is the case where you got 300 people on a Sunday morning and 20 people in prayer during the week sometime in some little room somewhere, something ain't right. Because prayer is the life of the church. Now we have online prayer. We we have ours on Zoom and all that, so we, we gather together that way. So there are ways to do it. doesn't mean you have to meet in a physical place. But my point is that when we are in the flow, help me, Holy Spirit, there is a grace for prayer. There's a grace for prayer. You'll find yourself just praying, and you're not even looking at the time. You don't realize that two hours have gone. But when we are no longer in the flow, ten minutes feels like two hours. Okay? So that's a sign of being in the flow. We have victory over the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 17 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if the flesh is at its maximum, that means that the spirit is at its minimum. Because if the spirit is at its maximum, the flesh will be at its minimum. Because the flesh and the spirit are fighting against each other. So when we're in the flow, we have victory over the flesh. We have victory over sin. We have victory over the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and all the things that have to do with uh, sin and so forth. Uh, Why? Because we're in the flow. Tell your neighbor, I'm in the flow in Jesus' name. Another evidence is spontaneous praise and thanksgiving to God. Acts chapter 2, verse 11 says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Isn't that interesting that what they were hearing when they were listening to the tongues, and and this is an aside, and I I try to explain a little bit in the book, but I'm not trying to, you know, put my attention there. Here's what really got me thinking about what really happened in the upper room. I'm thinking, okay, there are 120 people in one room, and they're on the second floor, okay? Obviously, there were walls, maybe a couple of windows, okay? But they're upstairs, and there are 120 of them, okay? Now, on the street, there are people moving up and down, okay, minding their business. Suddenly, here comes a sound from heaven, Okay, and uh, people start checking out where this sound coming from, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and they began, they all spoke at the same time. Now, first of all, if there are 120 people in the same room and they're all talking at the same time at the top of their voices, how many people know you ain't hearing nothing? So now, much less the people on the street, and each one was saying, they're, no, they're speaking my language. <laughs> no, that's my language. I'm, I'm from Crete. I'm a Cretan. Um, no, that's, no, 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 no. That is Arabic. They are speaking my language. So, so it doesn't really matter. What they were saying and how it was sounding, the miracle is what the people heard. Here is what I'm going with that. Is that they heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. So they were actually magnifying the Lord. Now, we know we can pray in the Spirit, and we can pray with the understanding. We can give thanks in the Spirit, and we can give thanks with the understanding. But in this particular case, they were all magnifying God, telling me that one of the signs of the flow of the Spirit is spontaneous thanksgiving and praise to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Someone say hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. In the times that I've been through, what I did not know was revival. It happened in, in the kingdom of Eswatini which was called Swaziland at the time. And um, I, we did not realize at the time that we were in the middle of a national revival. Um, it was just an unconscious thing. But we would come to, people would go to different places. We're not just going to their own churches on a Sunday. We had lunch hour meetings in the offices. People would have prayers there during lunchtime. There were things going on in the prisons. God was moving there and and all over the country. And And uh, some, some churches were open on a lunchtime basis. And people would come from the neighborhood during lunchtime. And it was just a spontaneous thing. There there was no, and not against worship teams and so forth, you know, I love that and I'm part of that, but there was no um, program, there was no uh, order of service, there was no repertoire of songs. People just started worshiping, even if you, you, no one had to arrive that somebody's already worshiping God, someone's already praising God, and, and when that song is finished, someone else will start worshiping God and praising God, and people would join in, and it was a wonderful thing. We didn't realize that this was just this is a move of God. This was a national move of God. But, um, you know, and we would have these meetings, cottage meetings, we used to call them, and we'd meet together, different races uh, different uh, churches, denominations in people's homes, and someone say, hey, come over to our house, we're just having a time of worship right there, and that's where I learned to worship God. I didn't learn it in my church because my church wasn't like that. So I, I went to one of these meetings, and, and there they were in the living room, you know, just like we would have in a home meeting or something, and, and uh, they were just worshiping and praising God, and I'm there, you know, kind of checking things out, you know. I'm a young blood, you know, I ain't taking everything. So, so I'm just checking this out, and, but I love the Lord and everything. And, and then I just, you know, people just caught up. And I was like, okay, well, let me just close my eyes at least. And um, so I closed my eyes, and, and as I closed my eyes, I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, and people were just worshiping. And uh, the next thing I felt It was like someone had put their hands, stood behind me, put their hands under my elbows and was lifting up my hands. I thought to myself, who has the audacity (laughs) while I am worshiping my God to stand behind me and even touch me, let alone lift up my hands. What's up with that? So... I opened my eyes, I turned around, there was nobody there. People were just worshiping God. I was like, boy, that was fast. <laughs> Wherever they went, they're not gonna catch me next time. We don't do it like that where I come from. What's all this lifting hands business? So, I, <laughs> so I, I started getting to the service again. People just continue to worship God. No one's minding anybody's business. You know, just worshiping the Lord, the presence was beginning to move. And then I felt these hands again. I said, this time I won't catch him. I wanna make sure before my hands are really up, I'm gonna catch them. And I'll I'll have a word with them. So that's what I did. I turned around, nobody was there. I was like, hmm, something strange going on. Happened the third time. This time, a still small voice said, just let it happen. It's me. And by the way, my hands never went down since that time when I'm worshiping God. I felt this is much better than this, or this, or this, or this. I said, this. I feel a flow now. I feel a flow here. I I can't explain the spiritual science behind that. I just know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about spontaneous praise and thanksgiving to God. When we're in flow, no one has to be instructed to praise the Lord. (laughs) No one has to be wound up. You know what I'm saying? No. No, everybody be praising God. Others will be on their face. Others will be kneeling. Others will be sitting. Others will be standing. Others will be weeping. Others will be rejoicing. That's the flow. How many people want that kind of flow? I want that kind of flow. (laughs) Glory to God. And, And by the way, you know, no one really cares about time. It's like when we're in the flow, time really doesn't matter that much. And, uh, and services just go on, and no one gets tired, and no one feels frustrated, or, or think about their roast in the oven. Talking about the flow. There's a passion for winning souls to Christ by preaching Jesus. I love this one. When we're in the flow, there's a passion for souls. There's a passion for souls, for preaching and by preaching Jesus. 5,000 souls were saved on the day of Pentecost. When we're in the flow, there's a powerful operation of the gifts of the Spirit. By the way, in that service, in that house, there was no pastor there. I think the one might, some people might have been elders in their churches. I, I don't really know. I was just a young preacher, a young man, wasn't even a preacher yet. Um, that's when I first began to experience the gifts of the Spirit. And somebody started prophesying and to, the, to the group, and there was a prophetic word. I was like, wait a minute, isn't that in the Bible somewhere? Yeah, sure there is. Yeah, it's somewhere. Maybe someone asked the apostles, prophecy. And then, you know, then somebody got healed, was prayed for, and they got healed. I'm like, wait a minute, that's also in the Bible, isn't it? Okay. And the gifts of the Spirit began to manifest right there and then. And, uh, And this is a manifestation of the Spirit. I'm here to declare to you those days have come. For the flow of the Spirit to flow in the house of God afresh and anew. Glory to God. Get ready. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. woo Get ready. It's coming. It's here. Glory to God. Souls are coming. They may not look or dress like you or me. Oh, yeah. They may not be cleaned up and pretty and... From their hairdressers and their nails are done just on point, but they're coming raw, hallelujah! They're coming, and they're gonna want Jesus. They're gonna want Jesus. Glory to God, and they're ready here. Glory to God, looking for where God will take them, hallelujah! And I know this house is ready. Glory to God, hallelujah! I mean, we also had to do a little bit of you know wine skin, change and. We have our third Sunday is our casual Sunday every month, and, you know, in between is our semi-formal Sundays, and then on first Sunday, it's optional, we call it a formal Sunday because we're dealing with different age groups, you know, and some people just feel more comfortable coming in a suit, and some people feel, you know what, I don't have a suit, I'm coming as I am, and we say, come as you (laughs) is. Glory to God, it's all good. In the house of the Lord. Amen. Ain't no clothing police in the house of God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Ain't nobody going to be prosecuted because they didn't dress right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God he didn't prosecute us when we came out of the world rough, still smelling a sin. You know, some of us, you know, were somewhere the night before wasn't quite worn out in the morning, but you went to church anyhow. You know what I'm saying? And somebody next to you might have smelled something on you, but they didn't say nothing, thank God. Do you know? Because you had a little too much last night, but you went anyway. And Jesus did something in your life, and now we are clean, praise God. We are delivered, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And those people coming after us, Hallelujah. We're coming in a worse condition than we were in. Hallelujah. And so when the flow is there, then there's a passion for souls. There's a compassion for the unreached. There's a compassion for the people that we say are unreachable. There's a compassion for them, and God starts moving in a wonderful way, and souls get saved, like we've heard at VBS this week, isn't that so powerful? Give God praise. Every soul that gets saved, even as a child, praise the Lord, is a blessing. Praise the Lord. But also, so we're talking about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Glory to God. And we have seen these gifts operate, um, in the, and it's like a seasonal thing, you know. It, it happens, and then it would stop, and I'm just being transparent. And then we kind of like coast along, and then it would happen again for a couple of weeks, and then it would stop, and all of this. But the Lord has made me, given me assurance that we're just being primed and prepped. Because you see, when the flow comes, it also removes a lot of silt. Hello, somebody. It also has to wipe away and sweep away and a lot of stuff that's been sitting there, uh-huh, and flush it out. Glory to God, and get rid of it. You know, whether it be some kind of religious attitude that I may have. Say, whoa, well, he thinks he's saved. Look at him. You know, all up in here thinking he's all that. Whatever. Well, that's an attitude that needs to be flushed out. That's a religious attitude. God got to get it out of me who oh, she is. Look, do you see how she mm, girl? Hold your man, girl. Hold your man. Hold on to him. Like really? <laughs> she don't have the clothes that you have. <laughs> She's in the house of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And these are things that can repel people from the house of God. And God's going to flush them out. Get rid of them. What? Did, what? did you see a, a tattoo? My God in the house of God. What has this church come to? They allow people tattoos in this church. Well, they're coming with them. How about that? They're coming as they are. Oh no, they're not going to remove them and then come. God have to deal with that in His own way, and sometimes He'll leave it. That's that's not my business. That's not I tell you never, that's not my business. It's not my business. Glory to God. How many people? Have God had to work on you a long time before He got through to you about something. Oh, come on, come on, somebody. You know what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And you kept on serving the Lord. What's wrong with that? And after a while, God started knocking on your door and said, "Okay, let's talk about this." (laughs) Five years later. So let work God people. Let God work on people's lives. Because I'm coming to this last point here, and that is. One of the signs, the flow of the Spirit is walking in the love of God. Now, I wish this was preached a generation ago, because a generation or two ago, being full of the Holy Spirit meant that you're real loud in church, or, you know, you're one of those out there, you know, people speaking in tongues and and all of that, and you dressed a certain way that made people think that you're holy. And, you know, you passed, you know, the, the, the fashion police of the church test. So you holy. Because you dress code right. And, you know, and I thought that that was it. You know, but whew, some of them people were just ornery. Oh, they were mean. Ugly on the inside, looked good on the outside, but the attitude was nasty, talking in tongues, getting all hyped up in the service, but oh God, the gossip that went on after service and who they talked about up and down. I'm like, there's something wrong with this picture. That the flow of the spirit, something's missing. No, one of the signs of being in the flow of the spirit is walking in the love of God. Now, that encapsulates all the fruit of the spirit, all of them, and in one commandment to love God with all your heart, your spine, soul, and so forth, and love your neighbors, yourself, and so forth. The new commandment. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Someone say it's about love. It's not a doctrine about selling your stuff and giving it away. It's about love. And so this is one of the evidences that we are in the flow. That the love of God is flowing among us. Hallelujah. The grace of God is evident among us. Praise the Lord. Everybody feels loved. Everybody feels accepted for who and what they are. So here we go now. How do we get into the abundant flow? Oh, help me now, Holy Ghost. Well, let's look at our text. We are out of Wine. And so they told Jesus' mother. And Jesus' mom went to her son, Jesus, and said to him, They are out of wine. And Jesus, you know, had that little discussion with his mom. said, Woman, what am I going to do with you? What's up? Why is this my business? <laughs> I'm a guest here, (laughs) Well, she knew what she knew, and she knew why she came, and she knew who she was talking to. She just walked away. And on her way, she said to the helpers, whatsoever he says, do it. And she's gone. So what is the answer to the question, how do we get to the flow? Find Jesus. Oh, 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 oh. Find Jesus. Find Jesus. Now you say, well, I'm born again. Hey, listen. (laughs) You can be born again and lived a long time in the things of God and lose Jesus. I mean a relationship with Jesus, and we can have a relationship with the things of God. Hello, somebody. I'm a preacher. I've been doing this for a minute. I was born again in 1971 and started preaching 1978, so do the math. And I'm a preacher's kid, four generations. And there are times when the Holy Spirit had to stop me and say, hey, You're so busy, but you left Jesus. Uh, You're so busy doing stuff in the kingdom, but you left Jesus behind you. You kind of stashed him in the attic somewhere, left him in the fridge, left him in the basement somewhere. You are in the house, but you haven't been in touch with jesus lately can i talk about jesus can i preach about finding jesus again because many times when we in the kingdom and doing the things of god we are looking for stuff oh come on somebody there's something we want. There's something we need. Someone has to be healed. Something has to happen in my marriage. Something has to happen in my job. Something has to happen on my body. Something has to happen in my family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in all of our getting, in all of our searching, in all of our doing, uh, we can lose sight uh, of Jesus. And Jesus is no longer the center of our joy. Jesus is no longer the center of our love. He's no longer the center of our attraction. He's no longer the center of our motivation. He's no longer the center of our passion. Jesus himself. Well, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching now because the fact of the matter, just like it happened to Jesus' mom and dad when he was a boy, they went on for two days. Didn't even realize they left Jesus behind. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. I don't know why you came to church, but I'm here to tell you that you are here to find Jesus again. Hallelujah. I said you're going to find Jesus again. You might have found church. You might have found religion. You might have found a good thing. You might have even found a marriage. Might have even found a miracle. Might have found a healing. Might have gotten a breakthrough. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is who you need. Find Jesus. Look for him look for him in your prayer closet put your list aside look for Jesus put our programs aside look for Jesus hallelujah that's why it's there in the book of Revelation behold I stand at the door and I knock that was the church they were going on without him Having church, bless the Lord, hallelujah. The Lord is good. But Jesus ain't there in that house. I'm not saying that's your portion. It's not the portion of this house. Hallelujah. Someone say, I'm finding Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm finding, oh, I feel this thing. I, I, I feel this thing. Glory to God. And it was a revelation to me. You see, the the, 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 the error, not the error, the mistake, the ignorance is that we want to go straight to the Holy Ghost. You can be seated. We want to go straight to the Holy Ghost. And leave Jesus out of it. Well, first of all, you got to be born again. You got to be born again. You got to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to be blood washed. Hallelujah! For the Holy Ghost to even touch you. Now oh, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, but he can't come in. He can't come in because of the sin. So you're gonna find Jesus there. But even when we have received Jesus, help me, Holy Spirit, and 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 we have walked with Him a while, but that river been going for a minute. Come on, somebody. And you're no longer a fresh chicken, you know, uh, a spring chicken that's just new in the Lord. You've been out here for a minute. Uh Uh-huh. And you know all what's going on in the house of God. Uh Uh-huh. You know all the nooks and crannies and you know the lingo, you know the protocols, Of the house of God, you can fake it. Yes, indeed. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. So people think I'm still in the Lord. But outside the house of God, Bible gathering dust. (laughs) Uh, mm, Lord, ain't prayed in a month. Oh, my Lord, how long has it been since you fasted? Yeah, Lord, how long has it been since you spent an hour in the presence of the Lord all by yourself? How long has it been since you didn't realize the time going when you're in the presence of the Lord by yourself? Hallelujah. And so we can do all those things but Jesus. He says, return to your first love. Preached a message, one prayer meeting, and uh, it was titled something like, uh, Are You Still in Love with Jesus? Are we still in love with Jesus? Oh, God. And sometimes that journey to find Jesus is not an overnight one. Because sometimes it takes some seeking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It takes some consecration. It takes some searching. It takes us remembering where we left him. Say, Lord, I remember when you were like a friend to me. And I couldn't go through a day without a conversation I didn't have to wait for a service. Didn't have to wait for my prayer time. Could have been in the car. But we have in our conversation. I remember when, when I would just start turning off the radio and start worshiping you. And your presence would fill the car. Oh, I remember that even when it was dark, the joy of the Lord would be my strength that even when there was one tear coming down my face, my heart would burn for you, Jesus, more than the things of this world. I remember when, Lord, and I say bring back those days, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, because it is Jesus who introduces us and connects us to the Holy Ghost. Which means that if we didn't disconnect from Jesus, we automatically disconnected from the Holy Spirit. Can't have the Holy Ghost without Jesus. And I decree and I declare that we are finding Jesus in this hour. Hallelujah. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right up deep in here on a personal basis. That if you were to be honest with yourself, you would say, Lord, I have not found you. I haven't talked to you. I haven't connected. That's the word connected with you in a minute. I want to connect with you, Lord. I want to meet with you. I'm looking forward to the time when we won't have to close no service. Because people will just be on the presence of God, on their faces, seeking God, weeping. Hallelujah. Not for their sins. Don't assume when someone's crying that they're weeping for their sins. Sometimes we're weeping for Jesus. That it's not like it used to be, Lord. I want that back, just like a honeymoon stage of a couple. They want that back. And it can get lost along the way because we get accustomed. We get, you know, conf- you know comfortable. And we, 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 we begin to take each other for granted. And we lose that spark. And now it's just, yeah, 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 we married. Find Jesus because that's the direction of the river. Then do exactly what he says. I'm not going to be deep. What's the heavy says to you? Do it. Whatsoever he says. See, you got to connect notes so you know his voice. So you don't go off on some flaky thing. But whatsoever he says, just do it. He told them to do a strange thing. To put water into water pots to take it to the master of the feast and let him taste it. That sounds strange, but Jesus' mother said, whatsoever he says, just do it. And here's a, I'm going to get to a close now. And the master of the feast said, you have kept the good wine until now. Oh, I like this part. In other words, you were saying that you reserve the best for last. Hallelujah. Why? Because the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. Am I talking to somebody here? Who may think that your best days are behind you. I am here to tell you some good news today. That your best days are ahead of you what god is still going to do in your life is greater than anything he has ever done in your life before stop looking at your age stop looking at your stage stop looking at your condition because the greater shall be the 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 latter shall be greater than the first hallelujah The Bible tells us, hallelujah, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Let me tell you something. What we saw and see in Acts of the Apostles is just a foretaste of that which is about to happen now. Hallelujah something greater is coming it's not coming through amen these wineskins anymore it's coming through water pots uh, hallelujah and god is about to pour out his spirit he has began to pour out his spirit on those that are ready praise god upon all flesh hallelujah and god is going to do greater things than the things that have happened before greater works he says shall you do because i go to my father look out for the young generation look out for the people who have made themselves available young and old glory to god because they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover they shall cast out demons glory to God they shall preach the gospel I'm talking to you hallelujah someone say greater things the latter shall be greater than the past hallelujah oh I know what I'm talking about because God had to preach this to me first because we come to a place in life when we begin to think okay I think I've peaked out now I, I think that I've, I've kind of, uh, you know, done the biggest things that I'll ever do. And now I'm just going to look back and reflect on what the Lord has done and kind of coast out of here. Someone say the devil is a liar. Because when Mo- Abraham came to that point, I'm closing. When Abraham came to that point, he was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And he was like, okay, it's over. Maybe God is talking about spiritual children. You know, we start spiritualizing prophecies because they don't happen. And all this, and God says, oh, no. Next year, at this time, your life is starting afresh. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Sarah, you're going to have a child. Who am I talking to right now? That baby, that ministry, that calling... Those promises I gave to you, <sighs> I am God and I fail not. I'm able to make it happen. I'm able to do it. Glory to God. And Sarah conceived at 19. She lived to 135 years old. Because whenever God brings something through you and births something through you, He extends your life. Or oh, you missed that. Whenever God births something through you, He extends your life. When you stop birthing stuff, that's when your life begins to wind down. But when you start birthing stuff, that's when God renews your youth like the eagle, like Sarah, like Abraham, who lived to 147, I believe, had a new lease of life. I decree a new lease of life upon you in the name of Jesus, upon everybody that receives this word. can we stand and give God praise right there. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.